In this episode, I talk with Kevin King about advanced seller strategies. You're listening to the Amazon Private Labeler Show podcast, hosted by seven-figure e-commerce seller and digital entrepreneur, Nick Landowski. This is the show to get the tips and strategies to take your business to the next level. So strap in and get ready, because it's time to escape the rat race and build your own e-commerce empire. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everybody. What is going on? Welcome to episode number 120 of the Private Labeler Show. Thanks for tuning in. You guys are amazing. Super grateful that you decided to spend a little bit of your day here with me on the show. Today's episode, guys, is gonna be a barn burner. I promise you that. Lots of great information coming your way shortly. But other than that, just wanna see how you guys are doing and hopefully all is well. It is a beautiful Friday as I record this and I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It's been a really hectic past couple of weeks. I'm certain your guys' days have been hectic as well, but man, I got so much going on with Amazon stuff, with podcast stuff, with uh, taxes. I got I got to get some stuff ready for for tax filing season with my accountant, and I got this big trip to to Costa Rica coming up shortly. So it's just been it's been a lot of stuff. So I'm just kind of looking forward to this weekend just to kind of chill and just enjoy the weather and just stop and kind of breathe. So uh, I think that's really important. Can't just keep going 100 miles an hour all the time. But uh, real quick on iTunes reviews, guys. I just checked and we're at 140 iTunes reviews, so thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And the funny thing is, I read, um, I always read the comments on the on the reviews, and somebody put that I should get Kevin King on the podcast. And I thought, well, how, how did that all work out? It, it, how ironic is that? So we, we got Kevin on the podcast here today, just total coincidence. So I'm really excited to kind of roll that out, that interview that I did with Kevin here in just a second. Uh, for all you guys that don't know, Kevin King is a very, very knowledgeable Amazon seller, very successful Amazon seller. A lot of you guys probably have heard of him in the community. Um, he's, he's been around at a lot of conferences, seminars, masterminds, YouTube channels, you name it. Um, he actually runs his own training website over at freedomticket.com. So you can check that out as well. He's got a webinar there that you guys can watch. Um, any links or information or anything like that that we discuss, I will definitely put in the show notes. You're going to want to visit for like a breakdown and, and key points and things like that. Um, so you're going to want to go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash 120 and that do that after the podcast. So I'm going to go to the interview here with, with Kevin in just a second. And then after the interview, I'm going to give a quick recap or summary as I have been doing. And again, go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash 120 for any any links or anything that he kind of throws out there that we talk about so you don't have to kind of remember this. Um, and I'll just have it all posted there for you for your convenience. So without further ado, guys, let's just get right to it. My interview with Kevin King. Hey, everybody. I would like to introduce to you Mr. Kevin King. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, glad to be here, Nick. How's everybody doing? We are doing great. Glad that you could make it, spending a little bit of your time with us here today. So for all of the few people out there that don't know who you are, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what you're all about? How'd you get involved in this crazy world of Amazon and all those things related? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I've been selling on Amazon since 2001. Um, I had a basically a, the equivalent of a vendor account uh, through something called Amazon Advantage. 
And in 2015, started selling uh, the uh, FBA method, which was what most people uh, do that are selling on Amazon now. I've got uh, seven different brands, a few different accounts, uh, do several million dollars in sales uh, a year. Uh, I also uh, coach people um, in the Freedom Ticket, uh, which is a course for uh, new people uh, trying to learn how to sell on Amazon. And then I'm also the lead mentor in partnership with uh, my, my friends over at Helium 10 on the Helium 10 Elite Mastermind, which is a training for higher level sellers that we do every month. People that are doing over $25,000 a month. And I speak at a, a lot of different events uh, for Amazon sellers all over the world. So I uh, do a little bit of consulting here and there, uh, but uh, it's keeping me pretty busy. Yeah, I see that uh, you, you are everywhere and you have some, some great knowledge and insights for the community that I think uh, we all appreciate. So um, speaking of all that, though, you've obviously got some experience in this game, as you just mentioned. Um, I like to get everybody's, my guests, like their current thoughts on like the state of Amazon, if you will. So would you mind kind of just giving us like some of your current thoughts, of, like where are we at in, in this Amazon world, in this e-commerce world, in your opinion, and kind of where are things going? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you see it a lot uh, on the Facebook groups and online, people uh, saying stuff like oh, Amazon's oversaturated. You know, the the this ship has already sailed. Uh, it's too competitive. Uh, you know, let's find another shiny object. And I, I I think nothing could be further from the truth. I think Amazon's still the best opportunity out there, hands down, uh, to to try to build a business quickly. Um, is it is it more competitive than it used to be? Absolutely. You can't just uh, throw a label on something that you find in China and and make a million bucks like, like you could four or five years ago. Uh, but if you treat it like a real business and you approach it like a real business, it's it's not a get-rich-quick scheme, despite all the uh, guys with rented Lamborghinis and rented Airbnbs that are, are trying to sell you courses online and make it look like it is or showing you screenshots of, uh, look at my student who did $100,000 his first month, uh, which is, uh, he may have done $100,000, but he's probably actually negative $20,000 in, in his bank account. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, false hope out there, false promises, and people that are working the uh, the corporate nine to five grind and are looking at this as like I want to escape, and, and that's how it's pitched. Uh, I want to I want to get out and uh, be my own boss and travel the world, and and it's just not the way it is. You know, you, you, most people that are successful in this, I mean, it's not to say that some people don't hit the lottery. It does happen from time to time, but uh, the the best approach for this is if you're working another job, is to keep that job for a year or two, start this on the side, and do this moonlighting, build it up. Roll as much money uh, into it as you can, and, and then at some point, when it makes sense, uh, leave your job. Uh, I always say it's a four-year plan. You know, you should, the first year you're basically you're learning and you're earning. The second year you're you're optimizing. The third year you're you're preparing to sell. And the fourth year, you hopefully you can sell this business because most of the money that you make selling on Amazon is not going to come selling on Amazon. It's going to come when you sell the business. And there's over a billion dollars out there. Uh, I'm on the board of uh, advisors for 101 Commerce, who's in buying a 101 uh, Amazon businesses over the next couple of years. And there's there's a ton of money out there of people that have a lot more money than me and you that and a lot more uh, leverage than me or you that are looking to buy successful Amazon businesses. So uh, even though you may have a profit on paper, you know, say you're doing a million dollars a year selling on Amazon, you might, if you're doing private label, which is where the, the best opportunity is, uh, you might have a 20, 25% bottom line after you, after you factor in all of your expenses. Most people 
don't factor in all their expenses. But uh, so let's say it's 25 percent. Know, that's a quarter of a million dollars in profit. And you're like, I can I can live on that. That's that's great. But the reality is, if you're successful in this business, you're going to be reinvesting most of that. So you're probably not going to have much of that. I just I was at an event in uh, Vancouver uh, last week speaking, and a fellow came up to me from uh, Belgium, and he said, "Can I just show you my plan uh, and get your feedback?" And this guy had done a lot more than most people. He had spreadsheets and he had like itemized costs, and he, he had done a, a really good job uh, uh, versus what most people do, just kind of going by the seat of their pants. And he's showing me all of his numbers, and he said, "Look, if I can, my plan is within a year is to get to uh, eight products." Uh, doing about uh, $300,000 a year in sales. If I can do that, here's my profits. I think I, I can take $10,000 a month out and live on. And I was like, I just looked at him like, no, there's no way. Uh, if you want to take $10,000 a month out of this business and live on it, you need to be above a million bucks, um, most likely, if you're growing um, and you're doing this right. So he was a little, uh, he said, well, that's not what I, I see on the YouTube videos or that's not what I see out there. And I was like, look, you know, most of the people that are doing YouTube videos and uh, <clears throat> selling courses aren't, they're not even selling themselves or they tried this and it, it didn't work for them. So they're like, let me make some money uh, another way. So you got to be careful. And that's not to say there's not some really good podcasters. There's some really good YouTube videos, some really good courses, but you got to be really careful who you listen to and who you follow because there's a lot of misinformation. Yeah, I think that's really important that you kind of highlighted that, you know, the, the quote unquote Lambo guys or whatever that people see the, you know, the, the shiny object and wow, they want that lifestyle too, whatever that is. And then reality hits and you're like, this is nothing like what this guy or gal said this was going to be like. So just for all the listeners out there, yeah, there's a lot more to it. So yeah, if you think you're going to retire and, and sit my ties on the beach, I mean, it's it's just not uh, very likely that that's going to happen immediately. So you got to really work. And the common theme that I'm hearing from everybody is you really just have to treat this as a business. And if you do that, then play your cards right. There's a good chance that you obviously can set yourself up um, down the road. So yeah, I mean it's a beautiful. I mean thing. There's been nothing like it probably in 100 years of business where you can scale from zero to a million bucks really quick. But it takes money. You know there. I, People always say, how much money do I need to get into this business? And I say, well, at a bare minimum, you need two and a half times your initial inventory. So if you've got $10,000 uh, set aside in your savings to invest, your initial stock should not cost you more than $4,000. Because you're going to have other expenses for advertising, for software tools. You're going to probably have to order your second round of inventory before you even get paid for your first round. And there, there's a whole... Uh, a lot of stuff like that, and, and you're probably going to need more money if you're successful. I mean, you'll hear stories of someone that says, I started with 100 bucks or 500 bucks, or, uh, and they may have. That might have been the, the first uh, thing they did, but what they don't tell you is a, a few weeks later, their, their rich uncle gave them money, they maxed out their credit card, or they, they did something, um, or they took out a loan from somewhere. It's a very cash-intensive business, so don't let anybody fool you. Uh, and, and I see it all the time. People pick products that don't have good margins or don't good have good ROI or their their cost on a product. Uh, you know, they, they, it's it's five bucks in in, in uh, China, but by the time they pay the taxes and duties and shipping and everything else to get in Amazon, maybe it goes to nine or ten dollars, and they're selling it for fourteen ninety nine, and they're wondering why they're not making any money um, because Amazon typically takes about thirty percent, just as a kind of a rough ballpark uh, of. Uh, and fees, um, and so then if you have about thirty percent in uh, cost of goods, and then you should have about a twenty-five, thirty percent profit margin, just the rough numbers. But uh, it, it, 
there's so many people you know that get into this business and they don't do the math. This business is all math. Um, it's not. You, yes, you need to have a great product and you need to choose a good product, uh, but. At the bottom line, the, su- the success is based on, on numbers and data analysis. And so that's where a lot of people screw up. And that's why, unfortunately, the vast majority, probably 90, 95% of people that try this fail. Um, it, it doesn't work uh, because they don't, they don't do it right. So you talked about you know, product selection, making sure that you're hitting, hitting that correctly. Obviously, that we know that that's extremely critical and important. But what is your, like if you were looking for a product today, that, that you're that you, you're considering launching um, what are some of your thought processes around that what criteria are you specifically uh, specifically looking for on that well the first thing I do is I, I set a budget and so whatever that budget is is it's five thousand ten thousand fifty thousand uh, whatever that budget is and I find products that that fit within that budget because the worst thing you want to do is run out of stock on Amazon the worst thing you want to do is find a cool product or a great product uh, and launch it and spend all that money launching it, either doing Facebook ads or, or giveaways or whatever you're doing, uh, lowering, selling at a cheaper price and heavy PPC, whatever it may be, and then to run out of stock um, because you don't have enough money to keep, the, to keep the, the ball going. And if you have a successful product, you, know, you can be going through a lot quickly. And uh, if you have a two-month lead time, by the time you get paid for your first round of uh, sales, you may not, it may be too late to actually keep in stock and the worst thing you can do is keep is go out of stock on Amazon it's almost like starting over if you're out of stock for any kind of extended period of time and so that that's the first thing I do and then the second thing I do is I look at keyword demand on Amazon if you're having to drive traffic from outside of Amazon uh, you've made a mistake in my opinion picking a product to sell on Amazon Um, the only time you should drive traffic using Facebook or anything is when you're doing a launch or if you have some other ulterior motive uh, to try to prop yourself up but if you're heavily dependent on that you might as well drive that to a Shopify site or somewhere else so I look at the keyword demand on Amazon and it's not so much it's not always in the high volume keywords when you see a keyword that has like 50,000 searches a month that doesn't mean I need to find something there a lot of times the real the real opportunities are in the smaller keywords or what we call longer tail. They have more words in the in the keyword phrase, maybe three, four, or five words. Maybe there's only 5,000 searches a month. And so that's that's where I, I look for the opportunities where there's some people that are doing well it, off uh, where there's a, a decent demand, a respectable demand, not too much not too much demand because too much demand gets to, to be too competitive. And in my case, I like to be in that uh, sell products that are between about a 5,000 and 10,000 BSR. I don't, I don't reach for the stars and try to go up there and compete in the sub 1,000 BSRs because that's where all the nasty stuff happens. That's where all the Chinese hackers are. That's where all it's a race to the bottom. It's where there's a lot of crazy stuff and it gets real competitive and it gets real price sensitive really, really fast. So, I mean, I've been selling for almost uh, four years now at FBA, and I've never had a hijacker. You know, you see people all the time. Uh, someone jumped on my listing, and what do I do? And I, I've never had that problem. Uh, so, I, I was, one, of the, one of the reasons is because I stay in the in those units that sell 10, 15, 20 a day. Uh, I've got 15 to 20 of those, and that's a multi-million dollar a year business, and without a lot of headaches and, and a lot of problems. So the fly fly under the radar type of uh, mentality there, I, I really like that. I think a lot of us, we always kind of think, shoot for the stars, you know, go for the big hits. And I can tell you from personal experience too that I've had uh, a few products that were, you know, in that sub 1000 and uh, it's almost like a damn near part-time job to fight off all of the, the drama that comes with that. 
and uh, you know, it really drives you crazy with between hijackers and this and that, and it's it gets nasty. So <laughs> it's it kind does. Of, it's kind of made me rethink things going forward with you know just hearing what you say as far as like you know play where not a lot of people want to be playing, and it's just smoother sailing. So yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's it, there's a lot of stuff that's going on up 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 in those top selling stuff that you just don't want to really be. It, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's a, a part-time or even a full-time job, just, uh, swatting the flies, uh, a lot of times up in there and it, it's, it's, it's no fun. So, and that's not something I want to be, be worried about. And the other thing is, you know, a lot of times people are successful in this business. Uh, it's that old 80, 20 rules, 20% of their, their SKUs are generating 80% of their profits. And that scares me too. So that's another reason I go in the middle range is I don't want, one or two of my, say I have 10 SKUs and one or two of them are really making all the money and the other eight are just kind of bringing up the rear because if one of, if one of those or both of those top performing SKUs go down, I'm kind of screwed. So I like to leverage myself and if a product, if any one of my SKUs gets over about 15% of my total overall sales, uh, you're always going to have some that perform better than others. But if it gets over about 15, 20% tops, I actually dial it back. Um, I'll either, uh, you know, turn back the advertising or I'll raise the price a little bit to slow it a little bit just so that I uh, don't have I'm not, not don't have as much exposure or risk and that's kind of counterintuitive to most people uh, but uh, uh, I've never had a product suspended or, or permanently or long term suspended and I've never had the account suspended or anything but I want to protect myself um, against something like that and diversify okay excellent great information there um, I want to transition now into what we're talking about uh, keywords here. And you mentioned a little bit about that um, in the past few minutes, but there is um, in, in the back end for every product in the, in the dashboard in Amazon. Um, obviously we got the keyword fields there. And I think there's a, a very big, con there's a lot of confusion in that in, in the community, as far as like what you're supposed to be putting in a lot of these fields. So we all know the search term field, uh, you know, that, that should be pretty self-explanatory as far as like how you fill that out for the most part. But there are other fields there, such as subject matter, target audience, other attributes, intended use. And I think a lot of sellers, especially when you're just get, first kind of getting started, you're just kind of guessing on what to put in those actual fields. And I know that you have some really good insight on that whole keyword topic with there as far as like where, what should a seller be doing and focusing in on and uh, how they should be filling those out. Could, would you mind kind of just elaborating or sharing a little bit just so that people kind of understand how important those fields are when setting up the product listing? Yeah, sure. There's there's a lot of back-end fields, and back-end fields are the the, the, the the data you enter into Amazon's database that the, the public doesn't really see. Uh, it's not the description or bullet points. Um, it's a uh, more thing, more odds and ends kind of fields. It could be size, color, like you said, target audience, intended use. Um, the number one field you want to make sure you fill in back there, besides the uh, the search terms, is the subject matter. And the subject matter, the first thing you want to do is you want to take a look at uh, download the browse tree guide and the category, uh, uh, the flat file for your category. Um, those are like a little bit more technical oriented, um, but they're they're actually like Excel files. And you want to take a look and see what Amazon is suggesting that's in there. And if there's anything that's relevant that they're suggesting, it's not always, there's not always something in there. You want to actually take that data and put that in the subject matter. You get five fields as of right now of uh, 50 characters each for subject matter. So the first thing I do is look at the browse tree guide and the flat file. Take what it's, if, if there's any relevant data in the suggested values there, um, I will enter that and then I will fill up the rest of it with my top uh, keywords, even if they're in my title. 
and, and I'll put those in exact phrase order, um, and I find that that helps. And as far as the others, the, the other attributes, the intended use, the audience, and all that stuff, you can find some of that information also in the flat file or in the browse tree guide. So you want to fill that in because that stuff is what's used for filtering. When you, when you go on Amazon, you type in a keyword and say a thousand results come up. Uh, there's some filters over on the left-hand side in a lot of categories that, where you can refine it and maybe uh, show me only uh, the blue colors or show me only the ones that are, you know, TVs that are 46 inches or bigger or whatever it may be. Uh, there's there's some filters over there and that's those extra fields are where used a lot of times in those, those refinement filters. And by filling as much of that extra data as you can that's relevant to your product, that's going to increase the chances you show up in those filters and can eliminate some of your competition. Plus, it also helps make your product a little bit more relevant um, and um, can help you uh, summon your PPC and some of your relevancy and, and things like that. So you want to you be as complete as you can uh, in, in filling those fields out. Now, I know, um, I think it's the next tab over. It's called the More Details tab section and that's like the last tab when setting up the, the listing and uh you know just visually there's there's just a million different fields on there and a lot of it you know might not apply for your product or whatever and um i think there are actually a handful of fields in that more detail section that will index for keywords if i'm not mistaken i don't know if that's still 100 percent true but uh do you have any knowledge or insight on that as far as do you, do you remember which which fields actually do index there yeah, there's. Um, it, it depends on the category you're in, uh, but one of the ones that a lot of people use is the fabric one. Uh, the fabric field is uh, is even though if you're not selling clothing, you can sometimes get a six bullet point by putting stuff in the fabric field. Um, that's one that indexes. Uh, there, there's a few others. It depends on the category because, like you said, there's there's a lot of stuff back there, but it depends on uh, what category you're in, which as to which ones will actually index. But indexing is just index. You need to. You need to be indexed, but you can actually make sales even if you're not indexed. Um, you know, so it, it, indexing is important, uh, but that's why you know when you look at competition, you know, you type in a keyword and it says there's 10,000 results. Um, don't, you really don't have 10,000 competitors. I mean, if you that's why when you're back to that product selection thing, um, you know, you got to take a look at. You can't just discount something where there's you know 10,000 or even 100,000 results come up that just means that's how many are indexed that doesn't mean that's how many are competing you got to take a look at the first few pages of those results and and decide how much competition is there really here so that's a mistake a lot of people make is they just off the cuff uh discount something uh where there's a ton of competitors that come up or and and on the flip side where where maybe there's only 300 competitors and something they look at that as like a a great opportunity but you may be like 60 of those 300 are actually very competitive. Um, so you got to, you got to kind of look into the numbers, not just at the numbers when you're doing this. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to just shift here to images. So I know in listening to you, you're, you know, very, very big on images. I think we can all agree that they're absolutely critical, but you know, if I'm a newer seller and, uh, I have a couple of bucks that I want to pay a photographer to shoot my product images for me. I think a lot of times the the sellers kind of just guess on images and they hear, oh, I got to put high quality ones out there or whatever. Hopefully they're not shooting them by themselves. I don't think really many sellers really are doing that, at least hopefully not. But um, what's your thought process on, on images, like how, how critical they are to actually driving the sales and getting the click through and, and all this and that. So like what, what advice would you have to somebody and how, how they can be using their images to maximize their listing? 
I think images are the most critical thing with, uh, after your title and your price. Uh, people eat with their eyes first, and so many people don't do a good job on their images. Um, uh, images, I, I spend a lot of money on my photos, and some people are like, I just can't justify spending a thousand or two thousand bucks, or you see people trying to go on the cheap. Uh, it's it's just, in my opinion, it's a huge mistake. Um, EBC uh, is another area, uh, enhanced brand content, where you, you have a lot of opportunity for images, and you don't want to repeat the same images that you've used in your listing, but you want to make your listing, think of it almost like as an Instagram uh, page or something, and make it, uh, you know, if you're looking at a really good Instagram uh, page, uh, influencer Instagram, their, their images are cohesive, and there's a story behind them, and, and they look they look really, really good. Um, so it's not just a matter of showing your product at every angle, and uh, it, it's it's making the customer feel like um, they're one with the product almost. I mean, so, so the image, the the lifestyle stuff that you use, the uh, you know, I see so many people they don't even put faces. I mean, a face with the product will will raise your conversion rate uh, fifteen to thirty percent just by putting a face in there. Uh, or they'll they'll take the pictures themselves, or their buddy down the street who has a fancy camera. Uh, they'll have him take it, and he doesn't know anything about composition or about lighting. Um, or they'll go out and they'll go on the cheap, and they'll use one of these services or find someone with Fiverr to Photoshop their product into a into a, a stock photo. And I can spot those ninety nine percent of the time. They look horrible. I, I, I me as a personal buyer, immediate, I immediately uh, won't buy that product if that's the case, um, because it, it just it's, it just it just shows me that they don't care, that they're just faking their way, and so it makes me think this is going to be a lower-quality product. So you've got to spend money on images, and if, if you're not – I know that's an area that a lot of people just don't quite understand, um, but it, it's it, it's critical. Um, so hire somebody, hire a good photographer, hire – you can group things. I mean that's what I do is I have – you know, I don't just go out and shoot one product. Um, you know, I'll spend five thousand dollars over a couple of days, uh, or a little bit more, shooting you know, three, four, or five products. So my my typical cost is well in excess of a thousand dollars. Now there's services. I think Viral Launch has one. There's some other. Several people that have popped up. Uh, Karen Thomas uh, has one, and uh, there, there's several uh, people that do this for you, and and they do it well. But you are going to pay. And people, you know, I see sellers sometimes they're selling twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month. They took the pictures themselves, and I'm like, dude, you get some better pictures, man. They're like, why? I'm making money. I'm selling. I said, well, if you're doing 20 or 30 now, if you had decent pictures, you know, you could be doing uh, 50 or 60. And the thing is, you got to test your pictures too. I mean, you can't just you can't just take the pictures that you think is best, or ask your wife or your husband or your best friend, like which one of these do you think is better. You need to get uh, people that don't know you, that have no clue about your product. And so that means either you got to test them with software like Splitly or some of those others, or my favorite is PICFU, P-I-C-K-F-U.com. Um, and that that allows you to actually test pictures in like 15 minutes and, and get feedback uh, from like 50 random strangers and stuff. It's a, it's a really powerful, powerful tool for testing your main image. Just the picture that you change on your main image or the second image can make a huge difference in your conversion rate, sometimes as much as double your conversion rates just by moving the pictures around or changing out pictures um, because I, I, I'm of the opinion most people don't read the bullet points or the description. The bullet points in the description, I don't think hardly anybody ever reads the description. When's the last time you read a description on an Amazon page? Think about it as a buyer. You probably never unless it was something technical. You need to know if this is a, you know, some sort, sort, sort of technical specification. You might have read it, but most likely you never read it. You probably, you found, you, you 
most likely you search for a keyword. You probably didn't even read the whole title, to be honest, of, of what the search results were. You probably looked at the price and looked at the main image and decided whether you're going to click or not. That's how important freaking images are. And I, I just see so many people just skimping here and, and not doing it right, not telling a story in their images, not showing the comparisons in their images, not not doing really good lifestyle stuff that's, that's actually real. Um, and, and I think they're just hurting themselves. Okay. Yeah. Great information. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. I, I don't think I ever read a product description or even really bullet points when I buy it's, it's, it's strictly because we're so used to like having a smartphone in your hand. We're on Instagram, we're on those visually appealing platforms. And I think that kind of carries over to Amazon as well when you, you're just seeing pictures and that's kind of where you're going with, with everything. And you might read some reviews and look at the price and call it a day. And that's, that's your, that's your research, but yeah, more, um, more technical uh, products. Yeah. If you're selling some tech stuff or whatever, you might need that further information. I agree. And someone might skim the bullets. I mean, I think some people may skim the bullets points uh, really quick, but uh, I, I bet if we uh, found a study of how many people actually read that stuff, it'd be interesting. Someone should do that. Um, I bet it's extremely small. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, that's great information there. And, and uh, for all you guys listening, the, any sites or links or whatever mentioned, I will definitely put in the show notes. So don't worry about remembering all that stuff. Um, I want to just, uh, you, you have some interesting ways to drive some free traffic from Google uh, to the directly to your Amazon listing. Could you just maybe take a minute just to kind of uh, throw that out there to the audience if they're not familiar with that method to, to gain some of that free traffic? Well, yeah, one of the things you want to do with Google is pay attention to, to your canonical URL. I mean, you can go to like helium10.com forward slash gems, and uh, it'll help you cr create what's called a canonical URL. Canonical URL has five words in the actual URL string. So in the actual the link, it has like five specific words. And those can be taken from your title, or you can kind of make up whatever you want and put those there. But that's important for ranking on Google and being an outside uh, traffic. Uh, sources, uh, what, what those five keywords are. Um, <clears throat> there's uh, uh, other ways to actually rank, uh, you know, 25, about 25% 25 of the sales on Amazon actually come from outside Amazon. People type in, they start their search on Google or they started on Bing or they started somewhere else and uh, in the search results there up pops a uh, Amazon page. And so th there's tons of ways that you can uh, work on uh, increasing your chances that you show up there, whether it could be if you uh, finding long tail keywords that don't have YouTube videos and creating a YouTube video with those keywords in the title uh, and, and getting that on YouTube that, because a lot of times uh, Google will, if there's no video on the first page results, uh, but there's a video uh, over in YouTube that has those long tail keywords and has a little bit of views, they'll show that on page one and that can have a link back to, uh, in the description or in the video or both back to you. And that, that's one way. There's ways to actually... Um, leech off of other people's traffic uh you know whenever you click on a google and uh, a link on google and goes to amazon there's up at the top it will often show uh uh three other products up there it shows the product that you clicked on but it also will show like a uh, top rated for this best uh best uh, best seller and lowest price and there's ways I, I can't really go into that that's what we cover like in the helium 10 elite and, and some of the advanced trainings and but there's ways to actually get your product into those spots so that you can get extra traffic. Um, there's, there's a, there's a lot of different things you can do, uh, to, to rank from out, from outside uh, of Amazon and get a little bit of extra love. Excellent. Um, 
we talked a little bit of, you kind of mentioned enhanced brand content, a little bit of video stuff. Um, I haven't really ran across too many sellers doing this, but do you on any of your listings utilize the video upload options for like enhanced brand content? And if so, like, what are you kind of seeing with that? Yeah, I do. I think it makes a big difference. I mean, before they, uh, up until about a year ago or so, didn't have to have video on your on your listing, you had to have a vendor account, or you had to know someone that had a vendor account to have them do it for you, and you could get a a video in that seventh image spot. Um, the other the other way to to try to get video before that was to to get into the Amazon uh, what they call video shorts, which are little videos that show up more towards the bottom of the page. Um, they're a little bit more prominent on mobile, and I, I still do that. But now with enhanced brand content, you you have the ability to upload a video. And I, I think that's it's crucial, uh, especially comparison videos. Um, uh, a lot of people will watch a video, um, you know, a short little video that shows the product. It doesn't have to be slick. You don't have to go out and spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Sometimes you can just have an influencer do it. Uh, that's what, a lot of times what I will do is I'll have, you know, one of my influencers that I'm working with or someone like that that's already doing this all the time. I'll have them create that video for me, and uh, I will I – will, I will put that in that spot, or you can use one of these companies that that will do it. There's there's several. There's one in Los Angeles. There's one in San. There's several of them that just specialize in e-commerce videos. Um, so I definitely think uh, that that's an area that you should you should do. And as far as video too, the new Amazon, uh, what's it called? Amazon Live, uh, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I haven't played with it yet, but that looks like that could have some huge opportunities. Basically, like a your own little QVC on Amazon and. I think it's in beta right now, and it only works on the uh, on Apple iOS devices. Doesn't work on uh, on Android devices, but uh, I think that potentially has uh, some good uh, good opportunity as well. Yeah, I think I don't know a whole lot about that new program. I was kind of waiting to to learn more about it, but the um, I'm just thinking about my shopping behaviors whenever I'm buying something or whatever on Amazon. Anytime that there's video, and it's not very often, it's it's pretty rare that that listings will have video. It, it just, it's intriguing to want to click it because it's something that you're not used to seeing. And, uh, you know, I'm captured by it. I'm just like, wow. Okay. And I'm more into that product than as I'm comparing it to other products. So, um, I, yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity there. So you just work with an influencer or what have you, what is it like about a minute long you can kind of do? I think that's what is at the length on the video. Yeah. I'll usually do 30 seconds to about a minute, sometimes two minutes long. Okay. Uh, and put that up there. Okay. And then you can use those in your Facebook ads. You can use those all over. You can have multiple videos made. You can multi-purpose uh, a lot of that stuff. Another place that's uh, great for video is uh, pre-roll. So it's, let's say you're selling a, uh, I think an example I give a lot is like a, a blackhead remover to take out, you know, zits or whatever. Um, if that's the product you're selling, you can make a have a little video made about your blackhead remover, and you can actually go to YouTube uh, and you can run what's called pre-roll ads. So you can go and you can find all these people who have already created videos on YouTube and there maybe that's about you know zits or whatever you just type in probably blackhead remove blackheads and you you uh, probably get tens of thousands of results on YouTube but you can go through those and a lot of these people that create YouTube videos I think it's by default it's called monetization monetization is on which mean you know some of the big channels they turn that off because they don't want people leeching on them but a lot of people leave that on uh, either because they either don't know or they actually want to try to make a little bit of money 
uh, off of their videos, and you can actually get on the pre-roll of of people who are searching for, you know, unlike fa- Facebook, where if you're trying to advertise your blackhead remover on Facebook, people aren't really looking for a blackhead remover. They're scrolling through their news feed, and they they may see your blackhead remover, and they're like, oh, this is this is a great product, um, uh, but eh, I'm not gonna click it right now. I'm not in the mood. I'm not really looking for that. I'm I'm looking to see what uh, my friend uh, did last night or where they were partying, and you get distracted. Versus on YouTube, if someone goes to YouTube, it's intent. It's it's they're actually going there. They're looking for something specific to watch for a specific reason, and so the buyer there's much more of an interest or perhaps buyer intent. So if you can get on the pre-roll, and sometimes you can do that for three, four, five cents of other people's videos that are, are around your subject. And so the, that's the, the pre-roll is a video that pops up when you first to watch a, uh, a YouTube video. And usually after three seconds, you can skip it. Anybody that's ever gone to YouTube, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's a little video, an ad shows up and within three, after three seconds, a button hits, uh, appears to skip it. If you do a good quality video there, um, you can actually convert uh, a lot of sales pretty cheaply. I get a lot of interest on your product pretty cheaply. And the beautiful thing about YouTube is if your video is over 30 seconds long, you don't pay unless they watch at least 30 seconds. Hmm. So if they skip it, you don't pay. Uh, now, if your video is less than 30 seconds long, you you have to pay uh, if they watch uh, over the three seconds. But um, there, there's, a lot of a, there's a lot of excess inventory on YouTube. It's a lot less competitive. And, and YouTube is what is the second or third largest search second, engine out there. Yeah, second, second, yeah. yeah. It's huge, and that's a major, major area where a lot of Amazon sellers are just dropping the ball uh, and don't realize the opportunity uh, that's out there. I'll probably be uh, talking about that more. And there's some tools where you can find these videos that are pretty cool. Um, it, it's it's a l- tremendous opportunity uh, that's under heavily underutilized right now. Yeah, I love that. I, I love the intent uh, that you were talking about the difference between Facebook and Google. You're right. I'm on Facebook. I'm not really looking to buy anything. It has to be pretty spectacular to get my attention. But if I'm on Google, I'm trying to learn about something. And if it, you know, it's it's a different mindset. So I, I really love that. I have to dive into that more myself. I mean, um, you just think about it on Facebook. I mean, if you're trying to sell your blackhead remover on Facebook to get someone to buy, if you're launching. You know, let's say you're probably going to have to give them 89 percent off. You got to just make an incredible deal. That's why they buy. Uh, unless they already know who you are. Um, but on YouTube, you could probably do a uh, – I mean, you, if you pick the right channels. I mean, some channels perform better than others. If you pick the right channel and get the pre-roll, you can often do it for just a 10 or 20% discount because they're already, they're already there trying to solve a problem. And if your your product is positioned as this will solve that problem that you're researching or you're looking at on YouTube, um, the, they don't really care so much about a heavy discount. They're not buying it because it's a deal. They're buying it because it will solve a problem. And a 10 or 20% discount is often enough to push them over the edge. And then if they do buy it and they happen to leave a review, that's a verified review. So it's a much better way, in my opinion, to uh, to, to use outside traffic. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Now, talking, I'm going to talk quickly about product launching and, and, and how you specifically like how obviously this has evolved over the years with how we launch products. So if you were to launch a new product today or next week or what have you, uh, I don't need to know every detail because that would take a long time. But like, what is your general process for launching new products in this current marketplace that we're in? Are, are you using email lists? Are you using launch services, many chat sequences, PPC, all the above? Like what, what's your general uh, strategy? It's all of the above. I mean, if I have a list, if it's a brand new 
product in a new category, I can't really use a list, but if it's a something that's extending something I'm already selling, I, I generally have a list that I can use. But I, I use uh, ManyChat. I use the YouTube stuff that we just talked about. I, I use a heavy dose of PPC. I don't really use the launch services as much anymore. I, I still occasionally will do those. But, I mean, the first thing I got to do is I got to figure out what how many units do I need to sell to, to – uh, get onto page one. So I'll take a look at what the the top 10 or so competitors are, are actually selling per day uh, so that I can uh, get get on, uh, know what I need to target over a seven to 14 day period uh, sales wise to try to get onto page one. I'll run really heavy PPC even with no reviews. I don't, I don't care if you know, some people will say, well, you need to get some reviews first. And yeah, that's going to help you on your conversion. So I'm, I'm going to have lower conversions and higher PPC, but I need the data uh, and and I need to get the ball rolling. So I'll do a heavy PPC. Um, I'll often start with a little bit lower price. I'll do product targeting. Um, there's like 20 things that I do. There's not like just one one thing. Okay. So you kind of throw everything at it and to yeah. really get things going because as uh, maybe certain people listening to this don't understand, but when you initially launch a product... You got, you know, zero, zero sales going on and zero impressions or whatever. Amazon gives you that grace period early on where you kind of have to really need, need to, to do a full court press because if you push, you know, a lot of sales and surge right away, um, Amazon's going to treat you a little different than compared to if you had like a mature product. So, um, the, the grace period, do you have any thoughts on that as far as like what, what that's all about? Yeah, there is a little bit of a grace period. Depends on who you who you listen to. Some people say it's a couple of weeks. Some people say it's a month. Some people say it's uh, forty five days or thirty two hundred impressions, whichever occurs first. Uh, but whatever it is, there is a there is a, a, a small period of time um, that Amazon kind of gives you the benefit of the doubt. They'll they'll, they'll test you out. Uh, they'll, they'll let you show if if you're let you try to prove yourself. And if you if you waste or, or squander that time, uh, it can actually hurt you. Uh, so you want to make sure you come out of the gate swinging all guns blazing when you launch a new product. Don't don't dilly dally around. Gotcha. Um, just a quick thing on reviews. I guess I'm just curious since uh, that's all part of launching and, and all things related. Um, do you when you're pushing all that traffic early on when you're in the launch phase, are you kind of just thinking that you're just going to gain those reviews organically, or are you doing things through your launch strategy that are particular around? gaining those initial reviews no i put out a good product and the re- if you put out a good product the reviews will come I've, I've i think when i first started four years ago i asked my dad and one of my friends to do a review and that's the only two times i've ever had friends or family do reviews i don't use any of the rebate services i don't use any of the uh you know secret review clubs or anything like that to get reviews i i just i let them come naturally. Uh, I, the only thing I do is I, I do pay Amazon since I'm brand registered the sixty dollars to get the uh, five uh, five uh, reviews that they randomly do. Um, and I have in the past paid the fifteen uh, uh, twenty five hundred uh, whatever it was for uh, to get Vine reviews. I do have a vendor account, so you can't do that if you don't have a vendor account. Um, but I, I have done that once or twice as well to get the first uh, initial reviews. But those buy-in reviewers can be pretty pretty brutal. So you get <laughs> so you got to make sure that uh, your product is uh, 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 in, in tip-top shape. Um, you know, I've had product where I launched, and the first seven reviews that came back were all one star. As a dog treat that just went bad. And, you know, I had to abandon that product and lost sixteen thousand um, dollars. So it just discard. Just uh, have Amazon dispose of. A ton of inventory, and I just done a launch and spent all this money, so it was a it was a big loss. But I, I let the reviews come naturally. I mean, I don't. Once you get 
20, 25, 30 reviews. I mean, I think the magic number a lot of people say statistically is 21. I, that's what I just hear. I don't, I don't have proof of that. Uh, but uh, once you get that, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. Um, in, in most cases, you may not be able to displace the number one guy who's got 10,000 reviews, but you should be able to get uh, in the top few positions somewhere on the, on the page uh, with 20, 30, 50 reviews in, in most cases, especially if you have a good product. Um, so I just let them come naturally. Um, I, don't, I don't even use the email follow-up sequences. I turned all those off like a year ago. I don't use those um, either. The only time I will use an email follow-up is if I have a product that needs some technical explanation or that needs I need to deliver an instruction manual or, or something like that um, or an FAQ to try to cut down on. But I don't, I don't use those for the purposes of trying to get reviews. Okay. Yeah, it's good information. It's, it's very interesting. It's a lot of different schools of thought on all this stuff, obviously. Um, now, we talked, you talked briefly in the past or a few minutes ago about hijackers and avoiding them. You said that due to your product selection and just like your strategy overall, you kind of fly below the radar. So, you know, that helps avoid all the, the madness and the hijackers. But what, what other things can sellers do besides that to cut down on having to deal with those hijackers, like other specific tactics or strategies? Well, the number one thing is product differentiation. Don't be a Me Too product. I mean, just sticking your logo on something you found on Alibaba is that's not branding. That's not differentiation. You've got to differentiate. You've got to. It, it's not always about the lowest price on Amazon. It, um, it is in commodities a lot of times. You know, someone selling uh, when when all the spatulas look the same. It is about price, uh, but you got to differentiate the product. Um, and that could be either the packaging, it could be bundling something with it, it could be the design of it. You know, some of my products I designed myself. They're not something I found on Alibaba or at Canton. They're products that came out of my head and I, I sketched them on a piece of paper. Uh, I'm not a very good drawer. And then I found someone on Upwork uh, to <clears throat> actually do the CAD stuff. And I, I did 3D printing where I had went to a guy here in, uh, in Austin where I live and he made an actual little 3D prototype and uh, – I, I mess. I took it all the way through, so that's something that nobody's going to knock out. That's product differentiation, or if it's a a product that is something that's you know if it's an exercise, uh, you know, like I've sold in the past ab, an ab roller. You know, I found a really quality ab roller, and I, I bundled it uh, with uh, a couple of, with like resistance bands and a couple other things, and I had really high quality imagery, uh, really good instructions uh, in English, not in, in uh, Chinglish, uh, and, and all kinds of stuff to really differentiate the product and, and the images. That's one of the things is the images really made it stand out going back to what we talked about earlier. People had total confidence that this was a better product just because the images looked professional and they looked, uh, looked great. So people were like, you know, this looks like a really good product. I will buy this over the other one that uh, uh, doesn't look as good. Um, it, it, there's there's a lot that goes into selling besides just 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 the price and just the the product. It's it's creating an image in a, in a consumer's mind. There's a reason uh, Louis Vuitton can sell a bag for five hundred dollars that cost them fifty sixty bucks to make, versus uh, you know going to uh, one of the cheaper stores. You know the uh, Sam Moon or something, and buying a twenty-dollar bag that costs five dollars to make. There, it's all on perception and marketing. Mar uh, business is all about marketing and innovation. Those are the only two things that matter in business. It's innovation and marketing, and those are the two things that you got to master uh, to to have great success uh, in business and in building a brand. Yeah, excellent points there. I think perception is really important. I know 
uh, one of the things I talk about a lot and you know, everybody seems to kind of be in that race to the bottom a lot of times with products where you're just pricing down, pricing down, and there's not a whole lot of differentiation between these products. And it seems like uh, certain sellers might kind of be smart about that and come out with a better product, but then they're going to have their, they're going to charge more and therefore they have that higher price perception. And there's going to be a lot of buyers then that cruise along and go, well, everybody's playing at $15 here. They all look okay, but this one for 19 or 20, you know, it's a great listing. It looks like a spectacular product. And you know, the perception is that it's a more of a premium quality or, or what have you. And you're just going to attract, uh, and you're going to stand off from the competition in my opinion, kind of doing things that way. So, um, Kevin, you, you had mentioned that you have like seven total brands. Um, is that kind of your intention when you launch products? Are you looking to create little micro brands or do you just find random products across random niches sometimes? Like what's your philosophy on that? Because I know sometimes sellers, when they come in, you know, they're thinking, should I just pick randomness and just find winning products? I don't care what category, what genre they're in. Or should I just settle down on kind of building a little micro brand? Like, what's your thought process on that? Uh, I don't think you should build a micro brand when you first start. I think you should pick products. The branding, you know, there's people that teach uh, build a brand, you know, don't pick products. I think that's a mistake. Uh, building a brand and selling products on Amazon are two different things. And building a brand is a very long-term play. It's a very expensive play. It's a different type of marketing. So when you first come on Amazon, I think you should pick products. And then then you're, you're going to figure stuff out. You can figure out how the system works. You're going to learn what to source. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve over time. And if it evolves into a brand, that's awesome. Um, but but it, they're two different things. And so, I mean, I do have seven different brands, uh, I guess, technically, on Amazon. You know, a couple of those I'm abandoning. Uh, I've launched seven, you know, a couple of those. I'm like, eh, this is not just, I'm going to abandon this and focus, double down on a, a couple others. Uh, but building a, a brand is is not choosing to sell only beauty products. That's a mistake. When people say, oh, I'm going to sell in the beauty category, I'm going to build, build a beauty brand. Uh, I think that's a, a, a mistake and you're leaving a lot of money on the table on Amazon. You're better off to build a brand around an avatar. So if you want to build a brand on Amazon, choose a person or a lifestyle uh, that that you can target, and that way you don't limit yourself. Because if you say I'm only going to sell in the beauty category, you're kind of limiting yourself. Um, if you say I'm going to sell to to uh, 55 uh, year old and up women uh, on Amazon, then you can do you know anti aging creams, you can do compression socks, you can do uh, you know back supports, you can do uh, you know, stuff for dogs because typically the, whatever it may be, you know, you can go across a lot of things. So pick an avatar and a lifestyle. If it's a runner, you know, say I'm going to target runners. That's my audience. So runners, they need stuff in electronics. They need watches and Fitbits and uh, things to hold their iPhone on their on their sleeve. And uh, they also need, uh, you know, wicking socks. They wick the sweat away. And they also need water bottles and they need Maybe they need a leash to, uh, when they run with their dog. So you can go across multiple categories. So you're better off picking an avatar or a customer type or a lifestyle than you are just to limit yourself into a specific niche or category. Oh, wow. That's great information. Fantastic way of thinking. Um, I, I think the uh, audience is really uh, going to benefit from that. Now, as we kind of dial things down here on, the, on this podcast, Kevin, uh, do you have any other cool hacks or tips or tricks. I know you always got these different, you know, strategies or just unique things that nobody else is really talking about. Do you have anything else that you could possibly share with the audience right now? Something that they might kind of go, wow, I didn't know that, or that's pretty cool or. 
Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of them out there. You know, that's in the Helium 10 Elite Mastermind, the training we do every month. At the end of that, I do something called Seven Ninja Hacks, and it's just really quick, short, little, cool nuggets. Um, I can't share those here because that's a, uh, you know, those are, that's that's for that audience, uh, but uh, that are paying to to access that. But you know, it, this business really, you know, everybody always wants to know a Ninja Hack, or they always want to know. What's the coolest, latest little trick or way I can uh, get ahead? And that's really not the way to look at it. I mean, I I provide some of that because that's sometimes that's what people want. But really, this business co- goes down to four fundamental things, and and that's choose a good product, create a really good listing. You know, we've talked about with the pictures and the keywords and all that. Uh, know how to properly launch that product, and then you just rinse and repeat. If you really focus on the fundamentals of this business. And don't worry about so much about the the latest hacks and tricks and and stuff. Those are all short lived. They usually get shut down. Focus on building a core sound business and and, and mastering those fundamentals, and you sh- you should have the greatest chance for success. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for that. Now, where else can sellers connect or the audience connect with you? So I know you're kind of traveling around a lot, giving a lot of uh, speeches at, at different conferences and things like that. But uh, where can people find you online right now if they want to connect with you further? Uh, probably the best place is just to go to AMZ, like Amazon, amzmarketer.com. Uh, and you can find, uh, you know, that'll link over to my Facebook page, and that's probably the best way. Or you can go to freedomticket.com. Uh, there's a free webinar there. Uh, that's my course for new people. But even if uh, you've been selling for a while, you're thinking about getting this. Uh, I would recommend you at least watch that webinar. It's not a fluff webinar. The first hour um, is solid information, like seven secrets on how to pick products, and you'll you'll probably learn something or, or get your mind thinking. Even if you decide not to sign up for it, that's okay. Uh, just check that out. Or if you're more advanced, you can go to um, amzmarketer.com forward slash elite, amzmarketer.com forward slash elite, and that'll take you to a more advanced webinar that uh, I did with uh, Manny Coates. Uh, for for more advanced uh, trainers, they're on they're on replay. And um, if you don't want to buy anything, uh, I'd recommend uh, you you take a look at those two webinars. You'll probably learn a lot. Okay, excellent. And uh, don't worry, everybody. As mentioned, I'll I'll put any links or any of that uh, information in the show notes as usual. So, uh, Kevin, final question for you: um, If somebody's out there listening to this right now, and maybe they're struggling, they're kind of struggling to get things going. What advice? could you give to that seller to kind of pick them up and, and get them on the way? I mean, the thing is in this business is if treat it, you know, it's, it's like an education. So if you started this and it's just not working for you, or maybe your first product was a dud and you're like, yeah, this doesn't work. I would not give up. Um, I, th- I still think the opportunity here is better than and any almost anything else that's out there. And you just got to treat that like that's your college education. You know, it's like you, you're, you're still learning. You're still figuring out. Um, the opportunities are great. Just pick yourself back up and learn how to do it right. Don't fall into the trap like we talked about at the beginning of people that are painting this uh, rosy picture that it's going to be Lamborghinis and martinis. Uh, and you're going to live the James Bond lifestyle. It, um, uh, go out there. That's why I said watch the those two uh, – those at freedomticket.com and helium10 uh, the the amazonmarketer.com forward slash elite watch those two free uh, videos and I think you'll learn some some tactics and some tricks that are, are going to help you uh, not tricks that's wrong tactics some tactics and strategies that are going to help you uh, really reevaluate how you're doing this and have a much better chance of of success out there it, you can do it uh, but you you do have to do it right 
Okay, excellent. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for this information. I know the audience is really loving this right now. Um, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, I think you really gave us uh, some great information to kind of run with here and uh, start implementing into our businesses. So again, I want to thank you for, um, for being here. No problem. Glad to, glad to help. And uh, everybody go out there and uh, crush it. All right. Great. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. Wow. So much great information there. Thank you again, Kevin. Really appreciate it. So much to think about now. So many strategies and ideas kind of float in my head. Hopefully you guys are pumped as well. And uh, if you need to go back and listen to that podcast again, take some notes. It's probably something that you missed. So what I wanted to do now was just share a handful of things that really stuck out with me that I thought were really important. And you can compare that to whatever you had as far as um, the, the key points. So the first thing I thought that was really, really important that we hit home on was Kevin says that we should really go all out with our product images and that most sellers don't and they're leaving a lot of money on the table. And he believes that it's probably one of the most important aspects of selling on Amazon is super high quality images, not just high quality, but images that have that you have a strategy around that you're telling a story with and you're using lifestyle images where needed and also any graphics or infographics to um, point out any key features or comparisons of your product. So, you know, using the neighbor down the street that's got the sweet DSLR that's kind of the part-time photographer, probably not the best route to go, okay? So you want to splurge a little bit and spend extra on your images and make sure you go all out. And then the other recommendation was that you split test your images because if you don't, you might be leaving money on the table by not leading with the best main image, okay? Because if you're just guessing, you don't really know. So you got a split test. And he recommended a site called PickFu, and that was pickfu.com, I believe. Also, he, rec he recommended Splitly, which is a tool I have used before for split testing. And that way you know with real data what are the best images and what's the main image, image that you should be using, okay? And you're not just guessing. Um, the other thing that he recommended sticking with listings was that, um, you know, we use, if you have enhanced brand content that you get the videos created and get those uploaded and you can simply reach out to an influencer to do that for you, probably relatively inexpensive, uh, and let them kind of run with it and, you know, just give them some guidance or whatever. And you can find influencers everywhere. There's sites for that, um, fame bit, I believe, and you might, might even find some influencers, you know, just go to like Instagram or YouTube or whatever, who's ever got a social audience and they're used to doing that kind of stuff, but have them create some videos. But that's not the cool part though. He, he recommended once you get the videos created, uh, why don't you use that video or those videos for advertising purposes? Why don't you run, uh, you know, if you want to maybe use it to run some Facebook stuff, that's fine. But the better recommendation was that you actually use YouTube, the pre-roll video ads that you can upload to and, um, start uh, pushing your product through there. So that was kind of interesting. And I would like to see where I could take that as well, just from my own experimentation purposes. So that that was really cool. And then the last thing, kind of closing this out here, guys, uh, Kevin's recommendation was that early on, if you're just getting started, you know, just find, find winning products. Don't necessarily care about building that brand right away. Just get accustomed to finding those winning products. If they're all over the board, that's fine. And eventually, if you do want to build some sort of a brand, Kevin's recommendation is actually kind of unique. He says, you know what? Why don't you focus on building a brand around a specific avatar? Not necessarily a specific niche brand, but an avatar. So find a specific type of customer that you would like to serve and just simply 
create products for them. And they, those products might be in, in different categories. They might be in different niches and things like that. But that way you're not limiting yourself. Okay. So I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, take on creating a micro brand. So that about does it, guys. Again, check out the show notes for this episode. Lots going on here. Go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash 120. Okay. So I'm going to leave it. Hopefully, you guys have a great weekend. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you later. Bye. This episode of the Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.